0: we will ever have to face, is the battle between you and you. It's the battle of taking your mind to that limit and then breaking through. On the Mindful Experiment podcast, we will share concepts, universal laws, and interviewing individuals who have done just that, who have gone through the dark times and through those moments, allowed their light to shine bright. Hey, guys, it's Dr. Vic here, and you're listening to another episode on The Mindful Experiment. As this week, we dive deep and get to understand the world of the man, Udo Erasmus. He is, uh, what an amazing uh, episode we had. I really enjoyed it. It's a lot of things that I truly believe deep down intuitively about life and our process of life and, and so many different factors that him and I were just tindered spirits, really sharing uh, wisdom on so many levels. Um, I really know you're going to get a lot out of this podcast, and we went way over the norm because there was so much, and I may even have him come back because there was even more that I wanted to dive into. But just a little bit about, if you're like, who, who is this guy? Well, he is the founder of Udo's Choice. It's found in Whole Foods and other health food stores worldwide. He invented the machinery for making oils, enzymes, probiotics, and more. Udo first pioneered flaxseed oil and the healthy fats industry. Udo is an acclaimed author, speaker, and expert on total sexy health. He has an eight step process that takes into consideration all of the elements of whole health that includes our mental health, presence, and awareness, our life energy, and being in harmony with nature and humanity. He has given 5,000 plus live presentations on nutrition and health, 3,000 plus media interviews. 1,500 staff trainings and traveled to 30-plus countries with his message on oils, health, nature, and human nature. Udo has sold over 250,000 copies of his, his his numerous books, including Fats That Heal, Fats That Kill, originally published in 1993. Udo has an extremely rough childhood growing up in a war zone and living without water and electricity. In nineteen eighty, Udo got pesticide poisoning and his doctors did not know what to do to help him out. Udo decided to take his health into his own hands and through deep research he made discoveries that changed the trajectory of his life and purpose. Today, Udo is a teacher at Tony Robbins events on oils and Deepak Chopra's on peace. He has a he has keynoted an international brain health conference and lectured at conferences on five continents. Udo has an extensive education in biochemistry, genetics, and biology and nutrition, as well as a master's degree in counseling psychology. His latest focus is on sustainable energy and water management, as well as healthcare based in nature and human nature, and the thirst of the the heart resulting in total health. This is an episode you don't want to miss. I highly recommend coming back and visiting to it. I have already... Um, Just wonderful wisdom here to share with someone who speaks like the masters is a master himself But yet can speak a very profound powerful message With such simplicity. I look forward to hearing more of what you guys have to think about this podcast episode Let me know but with no further ado. Here is Udo Erasmus. Well, Udo, welcome to the show. Oh glad to be on uh, excited to have you on. You're an amazing individual. I love how you said you're a, sero, a serial passion, passionator, if that's, that's correct. <laughs> right? I, don't,
2: I, I don't know who came up with that.
0: <laughs> I, I, love, I love it though. So um, yeah. I, want, I want to know, you know, I always ask this question right off the bat, and I just want to know, how did you get into what you do?
2: Well, I'm kind of like the canary in the gold mine. I had the good fortune. I didn't think of it as a good fortune then, but I do now, is that I was born during the Second World War. And we were two, I was two when we were refugees, my mother with six kids, six and under, fleeing from the communists chasing us in tanks and trucks on roads that only had refugees on them. They were mostly women in horse-drawn hay wagons with kids. And the Allies were using us as target practice from shooting at us from planes. So whenever it comes to war, I, I don't have a lot of you know, there are no just wars, certainly not just for the kids. And, and that, got me, that got me some raw material to work with very early. So when I was six years old, we were in Germany. We made it out. Long story. I got left behind and then we got reunited. But uh, I was in Germany listening to adults argue about things that to me at six years old seemed really trivial. So they must have been pretty trivial. And I looked at that and I said, man, there has to be a way that people can live in harmony and I'm going to find out how. That's been my driver all my life. I I haven't been on it every day, getting up and saying, how can we live in harmony? But it's always like for my interests and what I went, uh, what I got interested in and what I dropped when, when it wasn't getting in that, going in that direction, it's pretty much defined my life. So I ended up in, because it was chaotic and there was not much to depend on. I ended up going into science to figure out how things work. What can I rely on? What are the rules, right? (laughs) Then I got into biosciences because I wanted to know how creatures work. Then I got into psych because I wanted to know how thinking works. And then after that was I still hadn't found what I was looking for, like the YouTube song says. And uh, I ended up getting into self-knowledge because what I really needed to know was how I work. And that's basically is my background. And my goal these days is, I've done a few other projects that have been stepping stones for what I'm doing now, is that 8 billion people could live their lives lit up from within because the light is already there. It's just a matter of looking into it instead of looking away from it. When we do that, we will feel so cared for because life takes perfect care of all of us on a moment to moment basis unconditionally loves the body, 30, uh, 24, 7, 365, never takes a day off, never goes on strike, never is mean, you know, just taking care, taking care, taking care. And, uh, and when we feel that, we will feel, so, uh, we will feel so rich, let's put it that way, that we don't want to steal each other's stuff. And when we stop stealing each other's stuff because we don't feel content, then we can live in harmony. And when we live in harmony, it is just a matter of a very small step to make sure that everybody's needs, our basic needs are met on a long-term sustainable basis, including nature, not just people, but including all of nature. So that's, that's kind of the, the, the picture I'm living into. And it's not a big deal because we're already wired for that. We're wired on the inside to live like that.
0: And I, and I agree with you 100%. I, a question comes to mind is, then why is it that we're so always looking outside ourselves?
2: I, I think it's, be, it's, it's, a, it's a, you could say it's a flaw of creation. <laughs> no, human beings are different than any other creature in a very particular way, which is that, trees never leave their self-consciousness like there's no place for them to go they're rooted to the ground and they're just hanging out and they're sucking up the the carbon dioxide and the water and making stuff and they're just doing they're just there they're like buddhas they're like buddhas in deep meditation right (laughs) dogs will there will go out to the environment and then chase things down but they'll come back to themselves but what humans do is we go out through our senses into the world of change. And then instead of going back to the core of our being, we go to our head. So we live in memories and beliefs that are in our head instead of living from the unconditional love that is is in our heart. And that's a particularly human thing. And going out is automatic because change draws your, your awareness outside because you have to assess it. Is this a friend or foe? Do I run or do I embrace it? And that's important. So anytime change happens, we're drawn to it through our senses. Our awareness is drawn out through our senses to the external world. But going back has to be deliberate because there's nothing inside of us, because there's contentment there, peace there. There's nothing inside of us that is that is changing and jumping up and down to draw our awareness back. So the, the, the way we get there is that when we're disconnected from ourselves, because our awareness wandered from the core of our being
1: out to the surfaces of things, uh, the, the thing that calls us back is that when we get disconnected, we feel discontent.
2: And then our heart aches. And I call it sometimes, I call it the thirst of the heart. But it goes by many names like loneliness and longing and striving and uh, blues and sorrow and grief. You know, you feel it in your chest. It pulls you out of your head, pulls you into your body, grounds you and makes you simple. That's actually not about all the things that trigger it on the outside, like your grandmother died or your dog ran away or your girlfriend dumped you or your boyfriend dumped you. But it's actually your heart calling your attention to come back home inside to life. And the thirst of the heart is the greatest gift that we have other than being alive. Because if it wasn't for that thing calling us back, we would get so lost we would never find our way home.
0: I love the way you bring that up because I, I look up, I see the world now today and we're so like distractions is something I talk a lot about.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: I always say that if you're not getting what you want, you have a distraction in life some way, somehow your focus isn't clear. Mm-hmm. And I, I, then when you bring that stuff up about becoming back home, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and we always look for change. In right. today's society with internet, instantaneously, you know, yeah. being aware of stuff facebook yeah. social media and social and all these things yeah i think it's i think it's more we live in a world now where we're constantly distracted away from going home would you agree
2: oh sure and people do it deliberately when they want our attention that's what media does that's why media only only focuses on crisis they never talk about how their how mothers are loving their children and you know dressing them and going through all the kind of stuff to get them to school and all of that They don't talk about that They talk about blood and guts and they talk about crashing economies and when the economy goes down two percent They call it a freefall <laughs> So what the hell is that? right, <laughs> right? but but um, But I I want to disagree a little bit with you from the perspective that Distraction has always been the problem And we have more ways to be distracted today than we ever have had but you actually have always only needed one distraction to get disconnected from yourself so you could have been a monk sitting in a monastery and you know sworn to celibacy and sworn sworn to inner growth and sworn to sitting in meditation and you look out the window and there's a woman walks by and you already you're gone (laughs) right (laughs) distraction it could be a leaf fluttering in the, in the breeze that would, could distract you. So we have more distractions now, but you only need one. So actually it hasn't changed. The exactly. issue, however, is distraction. And the distraction leads to discontent. Because when we're present in all of our being, we are rich and happy and full and it's unconditional. And when our awareness wanders away from that, we lose that experience. That's why coming back and making it deliberate is so important because when I feel whole and when I feel cared for, there's nothing left for me to do than to say, okay, where can I help? What needs to be done? And let me, let, let me get after doing it. But the moment that I'm disconnected from myself, I become a taker because now it's like, how am I going to get myself taken care of? And if I don't, don't understand that, I just need to bring my awareness home. Then I'm going to say, well, if I make a million dollars, well, if I get the girl, well, if I kill this guy, because he really bothers me, right? Whatever the trips are that we go on, that human beings go on, come from wanting to take in order to fill ourselves when the truth is we were born full and we have never been empty." But our awareness wandered away from our fullness, and that's the only thing that has to change in order for us to get back to the heaven on earth that we were born into. I
0: couldn't agree with you more on that one. Is, yeah. there, is there like, uh, I think you might have mentioned this already, but I'm going to ask the question anyhow. Um, is there any like signs or symptoms that know that you have the thirst for the heart, your heart needs attention, and it's, it's trying to call you back?
2: Well, I I would say I, you know I do a I do a, a, a like a a dialogue with people in groups, where the first question is if I were to talk to you about the thirst of the heart, what would that mean to you? And in that conversation, I reframe that feeling that we don't like because it's intense, but we don't like it, and it and it's almost like. The thirst of the heart, the ache of the heart that we feel that we don't like and that, that we want to make it go away is the
1: driver bef- behind our distraction. Because if we were just to sit with it, even not even a hair's breadth behind it is our wholeness. So we ought to be sitting it, with it still and seeing if we can't slip back through it to get to our wholeness, that, um, yeah, so that's, that's, uh, that's
2: always, and, and so my point to answer your question (laughs) was that I have never met anyone who didn't know the thirst of the heart, but they don't call it that, they call it feeling uneasy, or feeling empty, or feeling restless, I have, I have 10 pages of different words that people use for that feeling, Everybody knows that feeling, disappointment, you know, heartbroken, crestfallen. I mean, there's so many words for it in different contexts. We use these different words, and we don't know that we're all talking about the same thing, so we don't even have a cultural conversation about it because we don't get that everybody gets it. But it's our driving force. It's like the reason, even like I've, I've talked to billionaires. I mean, I say, and I'll tell them, I'll, let me tell you how your life goes. You know, you uh, you feel restless and you come up with a project. And if you're a billionaire, it's probably a big project. So you think you need to do something really big to feel okay again. So you come up with a project and you say to yourself, consciously or subconsciously, When I succeed in doing in in this project, when I accomplish it, I will feel okay again. I will feel whole again. I will feel. I will feel. I'll be so happy, or something like that. And then you work your butt off sometimes for decades, and you accomplish it. And then you have three days where you're jumping up and down. You're saying, "Yay! I did it! I did it! I did it! I knew I could do it! I knew I could do it!" And then after three days. You're, you're restless again because you didn't address your restlessness at its cause. You let the restlessness drive you to something else. If you, and, and so then what you do then is you say, well, I was either thinking too small or I was thinking in the wrong direction. So you create another project. If I succeed in this, when I accomplish it, I, accomplish it, I will feel whole again. And then where you go, and maybe maybe if you're like a real, a serial entrepreneur, then you do one after another, after another, after another. And at the end of all of those, you still feel restless. Because the restlessness is a disconnect from yourself. And you can't fix the restlessness except by reconnecting to yourself. This is just a movement of awareness From your wholeness to what isn't whole. And what is whole for you is within you. What is whole in you is not outside of you. It's not in the girl and it's not in the kids and it's not in in the job and it's not in the retirement fund and it's not in the gold
1: watch and it's not in your great projects.
2: It's within you,
1: waiting to be rediscovered. I love that.
0: Is it then something that people do, where it's like in the sense of like filling a void?
2: Yeah, the void is another another name for it. <laughs> right? What is that? it? A void. <laughs> a void is like empty, right? Like that's a void the, by definition is something empty, right? Yes, totally. Yeah. Well, so people, when people feel emptiness, emptiness is one of the words for it. Void is one of the words for it. Yeah, filling the void. Yeah, I feel restless. I feel uneasy. Something's missing. You know, how do I get what's missing? Well, I, I, if I don't understand that it's not, it, something's missing. I'm missing. I'm missing from myself. Then I'm going to try and figure out some ge- gimmick to try and fill the void. You know, and something when people become obese, a lot of that is, is about fill, trying to fill the void. But the problem is it never, the food never fills your heart. It just fills your stomach and and sometimes people eat till their stomach hurts because they are so hungry
1: for something right and if you actually if you actually could bring your awareness into that hunger and feel whole through that connection then your eating habits would change too because then you would
2: only eat what your body needs not what your heart needs and food will never satisfy the
1: heart. The heart needs its own kind of food, and the heart's food is awareness. Just pure awareness.
0: I love that. It's, it's, uh, it's so true on so many levels. I'm even thinking of my own life where I was always filling a void. What's next thing? What's this? What's that? What's mm-hmm. this? Mm-hmm. And kept hitting wall after wall after wall. And then I finally mm-hmm. got to a level where I thought, this will be it. And then you get there and then you're like, this is definitely not it. I don't know. Is this, how life <laughs> is? this is is. This not what I signed yeah, up for. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah.
2: You know what? I, I got to that point when my, my son was born because I always thought, you know, it, it was, you know, I get a good job, got a good job. That didn't work. Get a good woman. That didn't work. Uh, get a good kid. That, and then when my son was born. And we called him the Rosebud Prince because when he was sleeping, he was so peaceful because you could just picture him in a, in a flower, you know, lying, lying in a flower, just like totally peaceful. So beautiful. And as much as he was beautiful and I saw that peace, it still did not make me feel full. And that's when I got it. This is not what I'm, what, what's, what's bothering me is not, does, does not have an outside solution. I need to, something needs to happen on the inside. This is an inside job. And of course, your disconnection from your inner being is an inside job. And your reconnection to your inner being, therefore,
1: also has to be an inner job. Now, when I, when I was in my mother's womb, I was, I was,
2: you know, there was nothing to do, nowhere to go. Everything was taken care of, and it was safe. So where was my awareness? Well, it was just hanging out in its source because it was nowhere for awareness to go. So it was hanging out in its source, inside, in life. And I was was there for nine months because I was a normal term baby. And then came out. And then basically, if you want to use the metaphor, I gained the world and lost my soul because I had to get to know the world because I need to survive in the world. Outside the womb is a, is a different
1: world than inside the womb. And that's where the disconnect be, began. And when I was 17, I finally
2: could no longer shake my, the feeling of disconnect, that thirst, that, that ache. I couldn't shake it. I'd run out of distractions. I, I, because I was born in the war, I saw a lot of things pretty early. saw through a lot of things pretty early. And so when I was 17, my heart ached all the time, all the time. Nobody talked about it. I'm seven. I'll be 78 in May. So nobody talked about it. I had no idea what it was. And I couldn't shake it. And people would tell me, don't dwell on it. It'll just drive you crazy. Or why don't you just get a job like your brother? Or, you know, and I couldn't shake it. And it was 13 years before I met somebody who said, what you're looking for is within you. And I can show you how to reconnect that. And I was like, really? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so because this guy was 14 and I was 30 by this time. And, uh, and, and I said, you know, I've been around. What's a teenager going to teach me? But then I thought, well, just in case he can, I wouldn't want to miss it. If he can, I'll just keep looking. And so he actually showed me a way to, break, to make it a little easier for awareness to come back inside and i'd had so i'd had a few other experiences before that that there was a definitely step by step process for my homecoming when i look back you know it was like yeah very very interesting things happened that were a step oh there's an insight you know one of them was my kid you know being the rosebud prince and me realizing at that point oh this is not about anything on the outside this is about this is a something about me on the inside that I need to address a big that's a big insight for for when 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 you realize it has to be a 180 degree turnaround in the direction of of your awareness
1: that's a big
0: insight. it's absolutely it's massive and yeah. I, and I know too because I've gone through it and it's and it, like you said it, it's a step-by-step process it's not something that's just boom done and here we go yeah Right. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. A, yeah,
2: and and it's not a and it's not about a formula, no. you know. It's not about you you memorize a formula and then re, you repeat the formula and then when you repeat the formula, kind of by rote, without paying attention, without even getting the meaning of the words, you just like, you just repeat it. That's not the, that's not the. This is like this is live <laughs> This is live in the moment,
1: present, and and and. And it's personal and experiential. I love that. And
0: does the, you're growing up, your culture, your parents, your, your experiences in, in life, does that play a role also in like the, the distractions, the uh, creating the thirst, the, heart for, the thirst for the heart, those types of, does any of that play a role in that?
2: I think culture. Your culture um, presents to you the directions that it deems to be appropriate the distractions that it deems to be appropriate distractions. That's a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, never, sorry, five I, times fast."
1: Uh, yeah, I've never,
2: I've never said that before. But from from the perspective of that, yeah, your culture is your outside training. So they say, work hard know, uh, be an entrepreneur, make a lot of money, get the girl, um, you know, don't have marriage before sex. Of course, nobody believes that because sex is a pretty strong drive. So they, they, they maybe believe it, but they don't follow it because the drive, the, the drive is, you know, the drive is powerful. And so why people do things against the law and against the rules is because there is a powerful drive in human beings for something and but we have in our culture nothing that that clearly gets us to do the return journey and that's a failing of every world and i think it needs to become part of education of human nature and of health to take on your own life but then you have to have teachers who take on their own life because you can't teach it if you ain't there. <laughs> this is like th- this is one of those things. You you know, you can't teach what you, you you can't give what you don't have, you can't uh you can't teach what you don't know. And so it's so you can't say, well, let's start with the kids. You gotta start with whoever whose ever heart is hungry becomes open to the conversation. And so you go by you, you don't go by By You basically have to go by uh, the people, like the people who are listening to this. And I don't know how many people they are and where they live and any of that. But there will be some people who will recognize this conversation. It will be life-changing for them. Because we're talking about being, about deliberately bringing your awareness back home to yourself. To find your fulfillment and then living fulfillment into the world instead of always trying to extract fulfillment out of the world. So some people, and you know, if somebody is not in touch with that and doesn't, you know, somehow is just listening
1: to the words, they'll miss it because it's not the time. And maybe something else will happen next week or next month or
2: next year or in 20 years. It was like, and then they'll Go, come back to this and they say oh, that's what that crazy guy was talking about yeah. Right, then it makes sense or they or they won't even remember, but it'll be real for them at some point So for whoever it's real who whose ever heart is hungry and People know that that's what they sell that's what people sell you junk into You know satisfaction guaranteed that that, that assumes you're unsatisfied and then they f- sell you furniture <laughs> and I'm sorry, but <laughs> furniture is not gonna fulfill your heart, not gonna do it, you know, or courses, or this, or that. Right? And the and the and the religious people, they know they're you know what is it? Uh, Billy Graham used to say, There is a hole in your heart and it's God shaped or Jesus shaped or something. And then what they do is they try to
1: pound a a a, a doctrine. Of religion into your head because you have to you know because it's all learned right you learn the words you repeat the words
2: in order to try to fulfill the whole in your heart but in your heart there are
1: no words that has to be experiential personal private experiential purely experiential and from
2: that place I can talk words but the words are not going to get you there
1: but the call of the heart, if you pay attention to the call and you say, okay, what is this? How do I deal with it? Then you start to find the hints that allow you to take the journey back step by step to yourself.
2: You know, what, what does it say when, when the student is ready, the master appears? Yep, that's it. Yeah? And that's certainly, it's certainly been true in, true in my life. In, in a number of different ways, in a number of different projects that I've done. It's always when I was ready, you know, and then I used to realize when, you, when the master appears and then you take the journey and you realize, oh my God, it was always here. I just wasn't ready. I was just somewhere else. I, was just, I just wasn't ready. I was distracted by something else. But it's always here. Like that wholeness that we're looking for is already here in every human being even if they're in jail for murder or even if they're completely crazy in their head in a, in a mental institution or or whatever whatever dysfunctionality they they have something in every human being is not dysfunctional something in
1: every human being is complete and perfect and whole and amazingly magnificent and to miss that a shame because you get given this gift only
2: you can enjoy this gift you know each one has their own gift to enjoy and if
1: you don't enjoy the gift of your life fully it's a wasted gift because nobody else can enjoy it for you so true now I love it I love everything you're sharing here yeah um so,
2: some I'm people. On, I'm, listen, I, I, I'm on a roll here. <laughs> you are. I'm going
0: to put more fuel into the fire right
2: now. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good.
0: <laughs> so, so, for the listeners listening, they're probably saying, okay. I got it. I got the thirst of the heart. You know, they're going from a mindset thing. So, but then, then, how do we? We talked about distractions. And, you know, the you know different things. How does an individual start the journey? Let's say someone's like, yes, I've been there. I keep hitting walls. I keep, yeah. you know, wanting. I keep doing things. I'm thinking this is it, and I keep hitting a wall. How can they? Start a journey. I know everybody's way is their own way. Um, yeah. But how, how
2: but, there, what is but, something there, to... but there are commonalities because the totally. journey is the journey. Okay. Exactly. So I would say this, stop digging the hole. Now, how do you stop digging the hole? Well, stop getting into more and more and more and more projects that, that you already know are not going to do it and just take some time every day. You know, even if it's on the toilet, you know, where you have privacy or even if it's in bed before you get up or after you go to bed and just take a little bit of time just to be with yourself, not in words, not in thoughts, maybe in breathing is okay. Maybe you can pinch yourself or maybe you could just see, and I'm going to take you into a little meditation in a way. If you're to, to see how still, first of all, to sit down, get really comfortable physically, take all the weight off your body so that you don't have to, you're not distracted by it. And then see how
1: still you can become. And see how deeply still you could become. And see how
2: long you can stay in a deep stillness. And in that deep stillness, Look around, you will discover light in the darkness inside. You will discover sound in the silence inside. You will discover love in the emptiness inside. You can even taste sweetness in the blandness of your mouth. And, and, but look around and see or, or observe or notice what is in that stillness. One of the things you'll find in that stillness An unbelievably powerful peace that once you experience it, you realize that peace
1: has always been everywhere. But only peace can perceive it. Only
2: peace knows peace. So if you don't see peace everywhere, it's because the peace that is in you, you're not looking from that. If you're looking from anger, you'll see enemies. If you're looking from fear, you're going to see danger in the same place that a person from peace will see peace same you know your same world we live in but by your perception by your state of being you see it differently and then you create it differently too so your state of being creates your world all of the problems we've created came out of a state of being of discontent and we will not fix those problems if we maintain that discontent. But we will fix it if we get in touch with ourselves and then live in a state of content or contentment or fulfillment or wholeness or whatever you call that. And then we will create a different world as an expression of our state of being. And that is the transformation of the world so for that transformation requires every individual to go to come into a st- a different state of being that already exists within them that already exists within everyone and if 8 billion people do that they live and they their life is an expression of the contentment the wholeness and the peace they feel this would be this would be like heaven on earth this would be like people would be You know there won't be any wars. There is no war in peace. Like you know, as a a peace, let's put it this way: war is never an expression of peace, but wars take place in peace. So even on the battlefield, when people are killing each other, peace is everywhere—inside of them, outside of them, above them, around them, between them, everywhere. But they're not focused on peace. They're focused on this idea in their head: "You're my enemy. I'm going to kill you," and the other side you're my enemy and I'm gonna kill
1: you. And they're doing all of this crazy shit in a universe whose foundation and a human nature whose foundation
2: is complete, absolute stillness and peace. And sometimes when people, when, when, when they say, oh, well, you know, I tried meditation, but it's boring. Well, fall in love with the boredom and notice how peaceful your boredom is and get used to separating from your addiction to action because that's the only reason why you find stillness boring is because you're addicted to, to doing shit, right? And then it's like I, I say to people, when you do, 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 you turn into do, do. And being is more important than doing because you can be without doing what you cannot do without being. So being is your foundation. It's actually more important than you're doing.
0: Couldn't could agree with you more on that one. That's uh, something I learned years ago uh, where I was just a doer, right? Let me do. I'm a yeah, type yeah, a yeah. personality. I, yeah. know, I'm a driver. I'm like, let's just, I'll get things done. Yeah. And then, you know, in my meditations, it was like, hey, you, there, there's, you don't have to do as much. And actually, less is more.
1: Yeah. But I then bet I, at
2: the beginning, it was really hard to sit still, right?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, <laughs> I, could, I can't meditate the way I do now, like I used yeah. back then. No way. I couldn't. Yeah, I was yeah. just like racing thoughts. I couldn't write a book. I wanted to write books. I had all these things. I'm like, I can't yeah. write a book. I have too many things going on in my head. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and now it's a whole different world. And it's like, yeah. but it's that, it's that process of. And I tell people this and I, even in my chiropractic office, the way I do my, the technique I use is all about less is more. Like it's a being, it's a place, less less is more how, when you're in the, well, the point I was trying to get at was, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's like, when you're in this being state, you actually don't have to do as much.
2: Yeah. And you'll be more organized about what you do. Yeah. It's
0: it's less time you take to, and I've experienced this in writing my books where it's less time yeah. Uh, because, you know, when I first wrote my first book, everyone was like, how long did it take you to write a book? I'm like, does it matter how long? I go, this is like a 10-year process in my head before I got it out on Word. Yeah.
2: But then it was... And <laughs> then, then you wrote so like, it in two weeks, right? Exactly. It was like two and a half <laughs> yeah. weeks, and it was yeah. done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's, um, uh, you know, the more you do, the smaller you become. Because when you set out to do something, you have to make decisions. Decisions means... You cut off other options. Now, so so whenever you start doing something, then you're making your world smaller and you're making your focus more one pointed. When in being, you actually the less you do, the more you become. And if you can sit completely still in the being that is your foundation, you end up be end up realizing that even though maybe you're focused on the core of your being, what you're experiencing is not limited to your body. And you are all that. And it literally just extends from the core of your being out to infinity. So the, the, the less you do, the more you become. But, but the doing, thinking is also doing. So you, you, you want to get out of the shoveling, then you want to get out of the thinking of shoveling then you want to get out of the emotions that drive you to think about shoveling and shoveling and you want to drop out of so you want to drop out of your emotions and you want to drop into the pureness of your being there are no emotions there but there are definitely feelings love is there that unconditional love i talked about peace is there Health, wholeness is there. Fulfillment is there. Rich is there. Because rich in the end, in its, co- in its core, in its foundation, rich is a feeling. You know, I heard this in 2008 when the, the crash happened. There was a guy in Germany who had $9 billion and he lost half a billion dollars. So he still had $8.5 billion. And he was so upset by his loss of money outside of himself that he jumped in front of a train and killed himself. And, <laughs> and so here's a guy, you would think he was rich. And I would look at him and said, Wow,
1: this guy's so rich. Yep. But he didn't feel rich, and he wasn't rich. He was so poor that losing,
2: what is that? Half a billion, it's like six percent, losing six percent of his bank account was more important to him
1: than the beauty of his own existence. Now, how crazy is that? How how effed up is that? So true. Right? And yeah. and you yeah, and, and the reason why
2: money is not my motivator, you know, I I don't have anything against money, money is a good means of exchange. But the reason why my life is not about money is exactly because of that. I've seen the rich people. I've me- I have I knew a lot of rich people when I was a kid. We were very poor because we lost everything during the war. But I saw all the rich people, and they weren't as happy as I was. <laughs> I had nothing. I, I had nothing. I was just as happy and probably happier than most of them. So for me, money never became the motivator because I didn't see happiness what I was looking for was happiness. I, was, I didn't see that happiness
1: in the people just because they had more stuff.
0: Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, and it's, it's an interesting story because like, even when I work with people and stuff, it's, when it comes to, they, oh, I want to make this much money. I want to make this. I'm like, okay, well, what, is that, what does that give you? Yeah. What what's yeah. the emotion and, behind that? Because that's it, what you're it, seeking. Right. And it's, yeah. it's, always, it's always fascinating.
2: Yeah. And, then, and and if you take it far enough back, you know they'll say, well, then I'll be happy or then I'll be satisfied or then I'll have enough money to spend or then I can do the things I want to do. If you go behind that, behind that, behind that, it's always the hope that somehow when I accomplish my goal, I will feel whole. I will feel content. I will feel peace. I will feel everything is okay. I will feel that I'm not missing anything. And the truth is when you do succeed and accomplish it, <laughs> it nothing has changed because you, what you're missing and what you're not feeling is already inside of you and you're looking for it where ain't, where it isn't. So it doesn't work. That whole thing doesn't work. That's why it's like all of that, all of, all of the let's you know push, 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 do, 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 whatever it takes, and all that drivers, all that driving motivational speech stuff. It's, it's BS. And I meet those people and they're not content and they're driven and they're successful and they have money and they're not content because that's not where contentment lives, has never lived there, will never live there. It will never work that way. And then the damage sometimes they do in their, in their do whatever it takes to get that thing that doesn't work. The damage that's done sometimes is, is tremendous. You know, when you do nothing, you don't screw anything up. <laughs> when you do nothing, you don't end up with stuff that is left undone. That was, that was by the way, comes from wisdom from Lao Tzu. You know, that's, that was one of his things. When you do nothing, you leave nothing undone. Right? Sorry. And he said action should lead to inaction. And what we do is, you know, our healthcare system is a disease management system. We suppress symptoms. Action always leads to more action. You got to take the pill because it doesn't work. It suppresses symptoms, but doesn't heal you. So then you got to take another pill and 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 action continues to lead to action. When action, if you actually address the problem, the problem would go away and then action would lead to inaction. And healthcare is a is about action leading to inaction and our healthcare system is misrepresented it's it's, it's disease mis- management misrepresented as healthcare and action leads to more action and the same thing with peace you know we call peace absence of war but actually peace is a presence of something and that presence has biological roots and you don't need your government to stop a war before you have peace because peace is your foundation. And peace is the foundation of the universe. And that's real peace. And when you are in that peace, then war is not one of your expressions. But helpfulness might be. And, and you know, uh, serving, serving life, protecting life, caring for life. That might, that might be an expression. But
1: going around killing other, other creatures probably would not be so high on your list of priorities.
0: Couldn't agree with you more there and, and, and it's so true, um, everything you're sharing, it's all so so solid on everything. Yeah. Um, when it, we, we talked a little bit about in the beginning, we're about harmony, right? In, in, yeah. in, in harmony with nature and harmony with everyone and yeah. that almost utopia-like aspect.
2: Yeah, well, um, don't, don't call it utopia because <laughs> the, def, the, the definition of a utopia is it's impossible. But this, is <clears throat> this is possible.
0: This is possible. totally. Sorry, I, yeah. No, no, you're good. No, I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Is, is there ways to how much is important with the beingness and stillness? How much is that? Because again, some things I've seen too is we've disconnected with nature in so many ways. Yeah. Um, which I, as you say, I agree with you. I agree the same way where it's a disconnection with self. Why we create the disconnection with nature, but does nature act as like a, uh, returning home, kind of remembering to help us return back. Uh, it,
2: well, it it well w- until I was able to directly go to myself for th- the peace that I was looking for. as I came out of the war, so peace was a a, a good word for me. Uh, when, before I knew how to do that, I would go to nature to clear my head when things got too crazy in the city. But I wouldn't say that that nature is the source of peace because actually peace is the source of nature just like peace is the source is my source and i would say more like if you suck back and get to this peace that is your foundation you are now at the foundation of everything and there is your your strongest connection
1: with nature and when i feel whole i don't just chop down trees just because it's fun i actually i actually admire another life form and i might hug the tree <laughs> i'm
2: i'm not a, i'm not a tree hugger but i can see that like if if i feel whole and i feel in peace i i appreciate the flowers on my cherry blossoms they're all gone now but uh, it rained but they they were just full of beautiful blossoms and i'll look at the leaves and i'll look at the dandelions and i'll eat some dandelion flowers maybe because they're actually quite good But mostly, I'm just admiring. I'm just admiring the diversity and the
1: incredible artistry of nature. So, But I wouldn't say if I go out in nature, then I'm going to have peace because we started there and we screwed it up because it wasn't enough.
2: Nature was not enough. We say we we have this romantic notion. Oh, the people who lived closer to nature. Oh, yeah, they were really spiritual. And oh, yeah, but you know what? Why did they lose it? And the reason why they lost it is because it they didn't embody it
1: within themselves. And the and the and the, it, the you know again the transformation is to embody that, embody.
2: You could, another way to put it is embody what the masters spoke about. They were teachers of human nature, Buddha and Christ and Krishna and all those guys. They all had the same message. What you're chasing in the world is already inside you. Look inside. Go inside. Bring your awareness. Become aware of what's, what you already have because that's
1: where you're going to find all your answers. And that's where you're going to find all your connections. My connection to you is my connection to
2: myself. If I'm not connected to myself, then maybe I'll hear your words and argue with your words. But if I'm not connected to myself, I will not appreciate what your life is in another human form. My connection to you is my state of being. And you know, if I my state of being is really is really antagonistic, you know, I might just send you a letter after this and say, you know, I can't believe that you blah blah blah, and you know, I really tear a strip off you, but it's coming out of my own discontent. (laughs) See, so my my connection to you is is my peace. The peace that's within me, I know is within you. So what if you what if you developed the state of being, I don't mean you, I mean any of the
1: listeners and me and you and everybody who's not listening, developed a state of being of peace, then we would understand the reality of it. Then we
2: could speak to the peace in other people instead of speaking to their bad habits or their wrong choice of word or whatever it is that we... that that we see in each other because you know because our state of being is our perception too and that is also our creation so if we go to the the state of being of peace then and then speak to others about it or the unconditional love and then speak to the unconditional love in other people do you think that we would influence them in a good direction towards peace and towards love of course Totally. You couldn't yep. but, and you can't but express your state of being, whatever it is. You know, if you're angry, <laughs> you know, if you're angry, if you're like really ticked, you know, pretty quick, you've got everybody on their tippy toes in your house and they're just trying to find ways to duck out, <laughs> duck out of your way. <laughs> right? So, so our state of being, we, 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 we clearly, we communicate that and we transmit that by tone of voice, by word choice, by actions. And, you, we, and there's no way that, you know, you can say nice words, but if you're angry, the tone will be there. You cannot but express your state of being. Actions never lie. You know, Martin Luther uh, had a saying, he said, when you, uh, with people, uh, don't listen to their words, watch their fists.
1: You know, it's like,
2: yeah, because because why? Because if somebody's saying nice words to you and their fists are clenched and they're sh- they're shaking, <laughs> you might f- you might be looking for
1: the next tree to climb <laughs> really fast to get out of their way, even though the words are sweet. That's so true.
0: Yeah, no, it's it, it, you're speaking like a true master. I mean, it, it's it's. The, the presence of you and how you, you can influence. Like you ever have an experience and I experience this as a kid where somebody will talk about someone and say they're so mean and they're so this, and they're a horrible yeah. person and this, and yeah. then you go. And, and all of a sudden it's a whole different experience than yeah. what everyone else was saying.
2: Sure. And, and they calling somebody mean is coming out of their experience in, out of their own experience. So they have to be in a meanness state of being to see
1: the meanness in another one. Because the truth is, in that mean person is also the master. That's true. I right? and, yeah, we, no, and we totally. and, and, and we as human beings
2: are all of that. We are meanness and we are, we are um, greediness and we are love and we are peace. Literally anything that's possible for any human being to do. Is possible for any human being to do. What do you want to pick? And my view is, I want to pick the the state of being that is the most conducive to my own happiness. And when I'm selfish enough to to embrace that, then that will also be good for everybody I meet, because I will be transmitting that automatically in what i say and what i in what i think in what i say and what i do and what the consequences of my actions are so pick the state of being that you want you know you want to be like christ go for it you want to be like buddha well you already were now, i call i call pregnancy being in the buddha tank right because it's it's a place where there's only being because you don't have to take care of anything you don't have to do anything think anything you got no language right nothing to do nothing to to, to go to everything taken care of and safe. That's the Buddha tank. So you already spent nine, nine months as a Buddha. And by the way, whether you call it Buddha or Christ or Krishna or Ram or whatever you call it, to me,
1: those are synonyms. The energy of life is the master. Like your life is the master.
2: And it's omnipresent, omnipotent, and omniscient within your body. Knows everything, runs everything, all power, and is everywhere present in your body. That is the definition of the master, and that is also a definition of God. It's within you. But you think you're the body. You know, if I say to people, I actually, it's a, actually I think this is really funny. If I point at you and I say, whose body is that? What's your answer? You say, it's my body. It's my body. Everybody says, yeah, it's my body. You know what you just did? You just busted yourself. Because you've just told me that you are not the body. If it's your body, you are not the body. You're the owner of the body. So who owns your body? Well, life owns your body. Because when life and body part company, your body's finished. Life owns, owns and runs your body. Weighs nothing. Does everything. And the question is, how well, since you're not the body, but you are life, how well do you know life? Well, not that much because I never sit down and t- tune in. True. And the suggestion is, hey, there's your unconditional love. There's your peace. Take the time. Make the time. Make it a priority
1: to do that time where you sit down and get still and get present and feel what it feels like to be alive. And then, once you've done that, don't leave it in the chair. Drag it out into the world with you. Stay in
2: that state as much as you can. And that's the challenge, because there's always something to distract you, and you want to become so strong that you say, God damn it! I'm not gonna let anything distract me from being fully present in the magnificence of my own existence, the gift of my own existence. And I I insist on dragging that out into the world with me, whether I'm doing a, whether I'm a postman or, you know, whether I'm uh, shoveling ditches or laying rocks or uh, shuffling paper or going to court or whatever I'm doing. I insist on being fully present in all of my being. That will be my priority
1: from this moment until the day. Life and body part company. It, requi- it requires a commitment. You know, and if you don't commit to anything, you don't, you don't make any progress.
2: Can I tell you one more story? Oh, yeah, go for it. I decided one time,
1: uh, it occurred to me that I have never loved a woman unconditionally. And so I decided I want to, I, I want to love one, con, one woman unconditionally.
2: And so I made that commitment. And the moment I made my, that commitment, I started noticing all the places where my love wasn't unconditional because I had expectations. And then what would happen is I would do something and I wouldn't get back what I expected to get back. And I had never noticed that before because I had never made the commitment to, to unconditional love. So now I started noticing every time that my love was not unconditional, I got my nose rubbed in it and then I could look at what it was and I could, I could uh, rearrange it. I could change my mind about it because all our expectations are our mindsets. So, so if I hadn't made the commitment,
1: I would have not grown in unconditional love for a woman, at all. So there needs to be a
2: commitment. You know, if you want to accomplish something, you always have to set a goal that is greater than you are right now and then aspire to that goal and then chase that goal and notice where you fall short. Learn what you need to learn, get that out of your system because it's mostly mind based bad ideas we learned because you were born a master and somehow you got convinced to be a slave by your culture right <laughs> and so so true so chase so chase you know and uh, and uh, and the higher the goal is that you set
1: the more you will learn when you commit to attaining that goal but make it a goal about state of being because
2: that's the inside track and that's where all the riches are. And that's where, the, that's where the, the heaven on earth in you already lives. Undiscovered
1: mostly in most people. And possible to be lived in by 8 billion people.
2: And then it's like, what Corona? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, that's right. We got a coronavirus. Oh, yeah. Oh, what about that? Well, you know what? I'm alive. One day my body will check out. Maybe it'll be through corona, and maybe it won't. Apparently, a lot of people get corona, have no symptoms at all. But if you're already close to checking out because your body is either you're really old or you have serious degenerative conditions, maybe lifestyle-based or maybe age-related or maybe gene-related or who knows, or mental makeup-related, when it's your time to go, you will go.
1: No question about it. There was a, a doctor in the UK who uh, decided
2: that he wanted to know what was the last thing people said as they were dying. Now, I don't know why he came up with that, but he wanted to know. So would you like to know what he, what he came up with? Yeah, what was it? The most common last words of people as they were dying was, oh, shit. And the reason why, you know, when I I heard that, (laughs) I started to laugh and I said, why why would that be the last thing a person says? And I, I, I think I know why. I'm pretty good at figuring things out. But I think the reason why is that we live our lives as though we were in charge, we were in control. And at the point when our life and our body part company we recognize that we have never been in control, that life was always a
1: gift given to us by the universe, embodied in a physical form for a time, obviously a terminal condition. And death will come when it will come. So
2: if if in two weeks I check out because corona got me, what should I do in the two weeks between now and then? And my view is I want to fully, 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 fully enjoy full presence
1: in my being because that's where all the beauty of my existence resides, whether death is coming or death is not
2: coming. And if we're okay with recognizing that one day the body will end, because that's a fact, There's nobody 200 years old on the planet that I know of, right? So they all checked out. Nobody here from 200,000 years ago. So that's a fact. And being okay with that, and the more that I enjoy that presence that is possible for me, the less I'm concerned about the ending. But the better care I will take of myself because I like to be here as long as I can. But not all of that is under my control, but I can eat better and sleep better and worry less and walk more and be in nature more and breathe more deeply and, and uh, you know do, do uh, inspire, inspiring things and help people and be, be a gift to, to the world as well. And probably you'll live longer when you do that than if you're just always curmudgeonly Uh, upset and and, (laughs) you know and
1: and uh, and grumpy but so so in the midst of corona there's peace and there's unconditional love and there is light and there is wholeness and there's health and there's perfection you know imperfection
2: and perfection live inside of every human being right side by side which one do you like? Pick it. (laughs) More you pick, more you pick perfection, more perfection you'll just, you will, you will experience. So, so in the time that we have, we get to decide the quality of how that time is going to be. And one day the body will check out. And if your life and you're in touch with life and you've gotten to know life, the transition out of the body, you'll be, you'll be going with life. That energy, is indestructible cannot be destroyed is formless so you will go with that and it will be a, an easy passage for you but also for the people around you where you're not sitting around saying oh I'm gonna die I'm gonna die I'm gonna die!" oh, oh no no right because you could die yeah <laughs> when it happens it
1: happens and then you can struggle with it and my my sister worked in uh, hospice and she said there were people
2: who, were, he, she said, religious people had a harder time dying than disreligious people. It's another one of those things. Oh my God, why is that? I I love things like that when I don't know. And why is that? Because if you have a belief, and all our beliefs are like that, if you have a belief that you hold strongly to, that belief can save you from other beliefs. But it will not save you from reality and dying is not a belief dying is a reality, and that your belief will not help you in that moment. but if you experience the depths of life, which is what those religions
1: that came from masters, what those masters were talking about, if you embody that mastery, then dying is not very different from meditation, except that
2: Meditation is voluntary and you come back and dying is involuntary and you don't come back but the experience that you go into in deep meditation is the Unembodied experience of the life energy and the awareness behind that
1: I love it. This is uh, a wonderful
0: wisdom that you share my friend and uh, I appreciate you and the time we've had to go into all this and so much more. I feel like I talked to you for like hours (laughs)
2: <laughs> and you can tell I could talk. I could talk for hours. <laughs> yeah, no. I think you know what I. I, I love that you have a, a a podcast and you have a an amplifier for a message that is universal. That more and more is an important message, and it's not because it's my message. It's a message that is really important. I'm just a. I'm just a spokesperson for it.
0: I appreciate that, yeah. Udo. Before we go, how can yeah. people connect with you and follow you and, and 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 see what you're up to and everything?
2: Yeah, we haven't talked about products. I developed a method for making oils with health in mind, and out of that came flaxseed oil. So I, I'm people call me the father of flax, <laughs> father flaxseed oil. And, and <laughs> I, I I've worked with other products as well. If you're interested in the products, Udoschoice.com, U D O S choice.com. That's the product website. There's information there. And then this stuff that I'm doing now, theudo.com, T-H-E-U-D-O, theudo theudo.com.
0: Thank you for being on. I thank you for your time. You are, I love what you're up to. I love the message you share. It totally resonates with me. And uh, I just appreciate all that you're doing. Yep. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the podcast. For past shows, please visit www.empoweryourreality.com. I hope this show inspired you and added to your life to help you on the journey to rediscover who you really are. To connect with us on Facebook, please visit www.facebook.com forward slash Dr. Vic Manzo. Check us out on Twitter. The handle is DrVic21